created live on Fireside. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Challenge. Uh, my name is Vanessa Ferlano. I am the host. Super excited to be joined today by Michelle Jewsbury, uh, CEO of Unsilenced Voices. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. And hello, everybody out there. <laughs> um, so as you know, in the Human Challenge, we like to talk about the sort of the challenges that are out there in the world that stop us from being human, that stop us um, from being human to ourselves, to each other, and how we can actually alleviate some of these challenges that we actually create out in the world. And so I am so fascinated by what you do. Um, I know you have an incredible story um, and it really does fuel a lot of the work you do with Unsilenced Voices. So I was hoping even before we kind of get more into Unsilenced Voices, um, if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about your story, a bit about your journey and how it, it evolved into Unsilenced Voices. Yeah, of course. So my journey is definitely untraditional and uh, like many of you who may be experiencing or who may have experienced any form of abuse or domestic violence, it is all untraditional, right? So a little bit about me is I grew up in a small town in North Idaho, traveled my whole life. My daddy was military. Uh, when I was about 18 years old, I fell in love with theater arts. So I wanted to move to Hollywood, California to pursue an acting career. So that's what I did. I packed up my bags at 20 years old and uh, really threw everything in my car. So it was more clothes and shoes. <laughs> but I ended up driving my happy little butt from North Idaho all the way down to, to Hollywood, California to pursue an acting career. And things were going well. And I was starring in independent plays and films and I was on my way to stardom, per se, and, and uh, lo and behold, a couple years later, I ended up meeting this man who swept me off my feet, blonde hair, blue-eyed, promised me the world, and I fell head over heels in love with him. And about four months into that relationship was the first sign of physical violence, where he had pushed me so hard against a wall that my head actually went through it. And I didn't grow up with abuse, so I didn't understand what it was that I was facing. I didn't understand what was happening. So I remember stepping forward and looking behind me at the wall and just thinking I need to, to patch the hole, not that I need to run away. And I ended up staying with Paul for four years where I endured all forms of domestic violence, physical, sexual, emotional, and financial and when I escaped that relationship, I sat down in front of my computer and just began to document things. My uh, therapist had encouraged me to do some writing activities. So I just started to write out my feelings, write out what happened. And when I read it back to myself, it was a very shocking moment because I, I didn't realize this was me. I was like, how, how, how is this me that I'm reading about? I grew up in a lovely household. My mom and my dad loved me. I didn't see abuse. So I was, I was shocked. And I knew that my story needed to be told. So I ended up writing and performing a 65-minute solo play about my experience, performing that in 2016 at the Hollywood Fringe Festival and the White Fire Solo Fest. And then that's when people started coming up to me and telling me their stories of abuse. And I knew that I, I was meant for something even more, just like maybe you are watching and you feel that urge to, my story matters and, and it matters for more. And I ended up 
founding a nonprofit called Unsilenced Voices. We began in West Africa, so Ghana, and expanded to Sierra Leone, where I had connections, and then Rwanda, and expanded to the USA in 2022. And we were able to gift over $33,000 to U.S. survivors in 2022 from human trafficking, domestic violence, and sexual abuse issues. And then from there, you know, I wrote my first book in 2019. I began a speaking career that year as well. 2020 happened, so everything went virtual, uh, but it was great. And I began to do a lot of business and personal development coaching and really helping people to use their story to create nonprofits or businesses uh, just to be able to speak up. So that's a little bit about me. And I know, uh, Vanessa, you've got a few questions for me. So I am I am waiting. <laughs> Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, you know, these are stories that need stories that need to be shared, um, stories that need to be heard and stories that need to be told. I've had my own very similar experiences in the past. And um, I think that the more we kind of create comfort around being able to create an environment where we can talk about these things, um, I know for myself and my own personal experience, um, it, talking about it was kind of easy, but I think finding people who were willing to hear it, um, you know what I mean? That sometimes was the challenge. And I don't think people mean any ill intention with it. I just think people, it's hard for people to hear sometimes, especially people that are close to you, you know, to know that you had to go through something like that is is hard for people to hear and it does create a lot of discomfort and so I think that by you know using these channels to talk about these stories hopefully that does create um, a little bit more of a safer environment for everyone who's both sharing and kind of receiving these stories um, so I'm yeah. very grateful for for that um, well, thank you. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you you know you talk about you know your story and you kind of had this moment um, of starting the nonprofit of starting Unsilenced Voices and what was that like, can you kind of take us back to that moment? Like, what was that moment for you where you knew this is what you wanted to do with unsilenced voices? Because I think a lot of times that that sort of eureka moment, we like to call it, I sort of hear it in two ways. Some people are like, you know, it was just, it was crazy and I had to do everything like right there, right now. And then other people, it was like a moment of stillness. And so I'm very curious, what was that moment for you where, you know, you said you sort of had this shock uh, like, how did this happen to me? You know, you went, you did this, this uh, artistic movement. Um, and then this moment of, you know, take us to that moment of unsilenced voices coming together. Yeah. So after the play, when people started coming up and telling me their stories, I was like, okay, so how do I help even more if this injustice, if this epidemic is as large as what everybody keeps saying, then I, I know that I'm meant to help. And I decided to dedicate my life to ending domestic violence. So what I did was I actually started volunteering. So I volunteered for a nonprofit organization called Young Vision Africa as vice president. I worked my way up and we had connections in Sierra Leone. So that's where that connection comes from. Mm. And I ended up traveling to Sierra Leone in 2016. And I ended up speaking to two different groups of women about domestic violence in their country. Uh, elders in the community, and then also college age kids. And I just, I learned so much. And then when I got back to the States, I was living in California still, and I ended up volunteering at the Downtown Women's Center on Skid Row. So I was there for roughly six months, volunteering one to two times a week, 
it was it was definitely an experience. Amazing organization that really gives back and aims to house the homeless women in the area. And over 30% of the women who are homeless are there because of domestic violence issues. So I actually um, in, uh, put in an application to work there, very outspoken. So when people came up to me and asked for advice, I would give them advice instead of referring to a case manager. So I think that inhibited my chances of actually getting and gaining employment there. However, God had a different plan. So I started interviewing with other nonprofits. I flew up to Oakland. This was April or May of 2017. And I interviewed for a nonprofit called Art and Abolition. And I'm very spiritual. So I felt God's presence within the organization, but I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. So the next day I go to San Francisco and have my clam chowder on Pier 39 and my glass of Chardonnay. And lo and behold, God had sent me this gentleman to come talk to me. And we started having this conversation. And this gentleman said, hey, you need to start a nonprofit organization. I was like, okay, well, now's the time I should say yes, because I've heard this before. And how many times, right, have you potentially heard something? You're like, oh, do I really do this? Is, am I hearing this accurately? <laughs> I've heard this multiple times. And finally, I was like, okay, yes. And things just kind of happened and fell together. I had met a Ghanaian doctor in Los Angeles who said, please go to my home country. And I said, okay. So I packed my bags and I flew to Ghana, never been there before. And from there, of course, Sierra Leone, we had connections. In 2020, it was Rwanda. They were contacting me and contacting me. And so we expanded to a couple different organizations there. And then last year, of course, was the U.S. And our primary focus right now is uh, in Sierra Leone. We've got multiple programs happening. We have a sponsor, a survivor program. It's sponsoracurvivor.org. Again, sponsor a survivor.org. But we have over 26 girls, <clears throat> excuse me, over 26 girls that we sponsor with vocational um, schooling, materials, uh, lunch, monthly stipend, medical, and counseling. So we uh, really hone in on education, awareness, advocacy, and support services. And we have well over 60 on a wait list. So we've got a lot of girls over there that we definitely are, are seeking to help even more. Wow. Um, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I think that is fantastic. And, you know, just highlighting that whole journey, you know, it wasn't really just a moment. It was pieces mm -hmm. sort of coming together. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and that is kind of, you know, you said you're very spiritual, depending on whatever belief anybody has, but that is usually how things work. It's just follow the breadcrumbs until, yeah. until it sort of comes together. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's a really amazing. And so thank you for all your hard work and what you do. For yeah. God, God works in very mysterious and miraculous ways and he is able to turn broken pieces into beautiful things. So I uh, definitely believe that. And there is a calling out there for everyone. Yes, I, I agree with that completely. Um, now, so we're, we talk a bit about, um, so we talked about domestic violence survivors, sexual assault survivors, and human trafficking. Um, 
what can you tell us about, you know, how interrelated are these three kind of target populations or these three issues? Um, how interrelated are they? And then I guess even from Unsilenced Voices, you know, you talked a little bit about how um, you support these, each of these different uh, communities, but um, is the support very different for each of these communities? Like, what does that kind of look like um, in these, in these cases with the survivors that you deal with? Yeah, so me being a survivor of domestic violence, I have firsthand experience in DV issues. I am not a survivor of human trafficking. However, 100% of human trafficking victims experience domestic violence. So it's incorporating that healing training uh, from a trauma um, educated individual who's experienced this, right? And then our team works with awareness, um, integration back into society, uh, writing your resumes, things like that. Uh, we actually just published our curriculum. It's on Amazon. It's called Graced for Prosperity. It's a workbook, a trainer's manual, and a PowerPoint. And it's really all about financial literacy training. So being able to you know, balance a checkbook, being able to save money, learn how to make money for yourself instead of having to sell your body, being able to escape, uh, overcoming the trauma in your life. And a lot of this has a Christian perspective to it. We are non-secular. However, we do stand firm in Christian values. So we do incorporate Christ. So you can use that in Christ. You can use that like you talked about with spiritual, just being, uh, being involved in in something spiritual that you know, but it's really interesting. So human trafficking is not just sex trafficking. Human trafficking um, is a very huge, huge sector, right? It's a $300 billion a year industry. Sex trafficking alone, and primarily with kids, it's $99 billion. So human trafficking can be um, slavery. It can be uh, that you're trafficked for other wants or desires. Uh, a lot of the bulk of that is sex trafficking. So then with the sex trafficking, of course, all of those individuals experience sexual abuse. And with human trafficking, it's not always sexual abuse. And it's really interesting with, uh, excuse me, with domestic violence, it's not always sexual abuse. With DV issues, Typically, if there is sexual abuse, it takes a while to understand that it was sexual violence. So I was with my perpetrator in my abusive relationship, and we were an intimate couple. So when he sexually assaulted me, I didn't really understand it was sexual abuse at first. It took a lot of awareness and understanding that, oh, wow, I didn't want that. So yes, that, that is considered rape. That is considered an unwanted sexual advance. So that is sexual abuse. So they all kind of intertwine, um, all based upon control, all based upon um, the aggressor, the perpetrator wanting something from you that you are not wanting to give. Right. Okay. And so that would be kind of from the um, circumstances or the on, like from a scenario perspective. And then what about from a perspective of, um, I mean, and then you also mentioned the support is, is fairly similar, right? That like you can offer a lot of the same resources to these 
to these survivors regardless. Uh, cool. Correct? Just yeah. So, for example, in Sierra Leone, a handful of our girls were trafficked from another country to Sierra Leone. And um, all of them have experienced sexual violence and a handful of them were in domestic violence relationships. So the same type of training that we are able to give to DV survivors, we're also able to give to human trafficking survivors. Now there it's different trauma informed recovery though. I will be completely blatant and honest. Sometimes you are triggered by different things here in the States the hardest thing to do is integrate a survivor of human trafficking back into society. So being able to integrate uh, back into their family, being able to integrate back into the workforce, primarily because somebody was controlling them for so long, um, mandating that they perform acts in order to survive in a sense. Uh, that is completely different than domestic violence. See, there are differences for sure. So in domestic violence, it's, Typically, your spouse that hurts you in human trafficking, it's a wide array of individuals. Your pimp or the, or the uh, perpetrator hurting you um, and then threatening everybody else around you if you don't perform these other acts with other individuals. So there is, you really have to be trauma-informed in order to really give proper advice of healing. And this is something that we are new in. So transparent, right? So human trafficking is another beast on top of it. But I do know the, the domestic violence situation of that. All of these victims of human trafficking have experienced somebody who have, who has been controlling, um, controlling their mind, controlling their body, um, manipulating where they live, what they do, their actions. So those are the similarities. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I do thank you for that clarification. Um, I do think it's important for everyone to understand that. Um, and I think, and I think it does help in terms of how, you know, how do we everyday people support these things that seem to be happening, happening behind closed doors? You know, yeah. how do we, how do we be aware of some of this? Um, you know, how can we do a little bit better in, in maybe, um, like, I don't know, how do we, how do we support these types of causes, especially when they're so, um, like emotional and, and, and kind of mentally charged and, and, yeah. and how, you know, when we can't see what's going on all the time, how do we support? Well, we open our ears and we open our eyes. So oftentimes, People think that human trafficking is not happening right here in the States or wherever you're located. Uh, it's not happening here. That's a faraway land. No, that is incorrect. That is happening right here. So I live right now in Tampa, Florida from Los Angeles, California. Tampa is the third highest in human trafficking in the nation. Nation. I'll let that sit in for a second. The reason being is that young girls and boys are being preyed upon in the state and kept within our borders. Now, they could be forced into promiscuity with other individuals just by threats, right? And it all starts with um, uh, uh, pimp, not pimping, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Excuse me, like priming your victim. So I'll buy you this, I'll take you here, I will, uh, I will take care of you and all these promises. And then of course it turns into broken promises where now 
now you have to do these acts in order to pay me back in a sense. And then domestic violence, the statistics are startling. So what happens here, it's interesting. I speak to churches sometimes and one of the churches like, oh, that doesn't happen. I said, yes, it does. A quarter of the women, at least in your congregation, have experienced domestic violence issues. That's not talking about sexual abuse issues. That's not talking about other ailments. So DV happens all the time. So it's opening our eyes, opening our ears. If you're a man out there, hey, bro, that's not cool. You shouldn't talk to your wife like that. Oh, you shouldn't use physical violence against a woman. The woman, right? This happens to men too. I see women spit on men, kick men, hurt men. That's domestic violence issues as well. So it's really learning how we need to communicate as a human race with one another, not acting in aggression, not acting in malice towards one another, but being able to communicate in love. But as far as a bystander on the side of the street, we see this more often than we know about. So it's just being aware. It's like, it's like that, that phrase, you don't know what you don't know, right? So now that you know it's right there, look for it. And when you look for it, you'll find it. And at that moment, when you, when you see something wrong, ask her, are you okay? Do you want help? If it's an unsafe situation, call the police. Get involved and then speak up. Speak. Uh, uh, being a, a survivor it's so incredibly important to use your, use your voice to speak up. And sometimes it's hard. Some, some of the horrible situations that a lot of my clients, a lot of, a lot of people that I know have been involved with, they're, they're really horrible, right? And it's really hard to talk about. So learning to heal through traditional and non-traditional modalities could be theater, could be other, other, other means, but using that voice and writing and expressing and speaking can really help to change the dynamic of this moving forward. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that, that insight and those reminders. Um, it is absolutely right. And I do appreciate a lot what you said about learning as a human race how to just communicate and it's it's true yeah. because as a society we are so ego driven so um you know so self driven that um yeah you know it's it's just it's very unfortunate that we've kind of lost sight of that authenticity that ingenuity and how we can just through, through words how we can actually make a difference so i do appreciate that comment um, my last question, um, you know, I, I come from tech and so I was very interested, um, to learn one of your ways of supporting your, your communities. Um, uh, I believe you do, um, you offer, I think it's crypto donations. And then I did read somewhere that you are launching in the metaverse. And so I have to ask you about that. <laughs> like, what, how are you doing that? Like, that's just, you know, I think it's great. You know, those tools are there for a reason, but I'm so yeah, intrigued by that. What does that look like? What does unsilenced yeah. voices in the metaverse? metaverse look like <laughs> yeah so uh unfortunately with all the technology out right now a lot of the way that the perpetrators will attract victims or be able to uh groom them that was the word i was looking for groom their victims is is through like our gaming system through things um all of our online platforms so in the metaverse what we are planning to do is to launch in 
a world, maybe a Decentraland, something like that, where we'll have a facility that is a virtual facility where people can go anonymously and say, hey, this just happened to me. How do I get real, real world help, right? So you don't have to tell anybody your real name. You can go in anonymously and be able to seek um, some of the resources that you need. Uh, I've heard of, of child avatars getting sexually assaulted in metaverses, uh, in gaming systems. And even though the child is not physically present during that, they're wearing their headset, they're involved in this game, the psychological implications that that actually causes is far more reaching than we even understand. So Web3 technology, right now, we want to be able to use Web3 for good. And there, there is good that we can do, just like with anything. You can look for the good in, um, in, in STEM. You can look for the good in negative situations. You can look for the good in technological advances, right? And that's what this is. So that's our plan, to launch in the metaverse, have a facility there where people can go get get resources. We also created NFTs. So our survivors in Sierra Leone, uh, we had an art competition and one of our survivors won that art competition and we created her piece into NFTs. So there are multiple different NFTs. They are um, being hosted on Jet Set Token. So Jet Set Token, I believe.com, Jet Set Token. Um, and you can purchase those NFTs and a portion of those proceeds go right back to the artist. And then another portion goes to unsilenced voices. So Web3 can be used for a positive and it's, it's a new idea. We are working with um, uh, crypto altruism to be able to help us write some, some grants in order to get funding for this build because we need to have a virtual assistant there or we need to have somebody there at all times to be able to do intake and be able to provide those resources. So yeah, this is a, a whole new venture and this is a brand new start of it. And yes, we do accept cryptocurrency donations. So if you go to unsilencedvoices.org, you can go ahead and donate cryptocurrency along with actual fiat money. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, everyone, please take a moment. I mean, you've just heard the wonderful work that Michelle is doing, um, the support that is being offered. We've also heard, uh, we've been given feedback on how we can support. Um, so please make sure to visit unsilencedvoices.org um, and to support um, as best as you can. Thank you so much, for Michelle. Super grateful to have you here. Super grateful for your insights and very grateful for all the work that you're doing with these communities. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Created live on Fireside.